Hello, my innovative and truth-seeking tribe, and welcome to Rewoke, Rewriting Our Kids Education Podcast. My name is Michelle Person. I am your host, and we are on a journey. We are rethinking, re-examining, and re-educating ourselves and our children. On this show, we talk a lot about diversity. Diversity at home, in the workplace, in children's literature, in math, in science, and most importantly, diversity at school. We talk a lot about elementary and high school, but the need to advocate for diversity in secondary education is just as pressing, and that's the issue that we're going to talk about today. To be successful in the world today, our children need to hone their critical thinking, communication, and problem-solving skills. Those skills are cultivated in diverse spaces, where they learn to interact, reflect, and feel empathy for those around them. Our guest today is Dr. Paris Carter, a former vice president of student affairs at Howard University and the current vice president of student engagement and success at Wilberforce University. He spends his time making sure students have rich and extensive experiences on campus. So when it's time for them to go out and make their mark on the world, they are ready. Sundar Pakai, the CEO of Google, says that a diverse mix of voices leads to better discussions, decisions, and outcomes for every single person. What kinds of conversations are being fostered in the environments that your children take space in? And oh yeah, are you woke? A diverse environment has multiple benefits for personal development. Outside of becoming accepting and more aware of other cultures, it can help smash previously held stereotypes. Diversity and inclusion breed productivity as the ability to learn and grow from each other is exponentially expanded. Looking for colleges and universities that foster that development should be on all of our look for lists as we help our children navigate their journey through higher education. Our guest today, Dr. Paris Carter, spends his days helping the students of Wilberforce University on their journey and is here to share some tips on how you can help your student. We have a special treat today. I have Dr. Paris Carter with us. He is um, the Assistant Vice President of Student Affairs at Howard University, and he is here today to talk to us about diversity, inclusion, and equity, and what that means and what that looks like. Thank you, Dr. Carter, so much for joining us today. Thank you, Michelle. I appreciate the invite and, and look forward to chatting with you. Yes. Well, we're just going to jump right into it. Can you tell us um, how would you describe your current work? So I, I, I'm the Associate Vice President for Student Affairs um, at Howard. And so, um, you know, my role is, is, is working with students around development, around leadership, um, you know, most of their life on campus outside of classroom. Uh, our, our, our division uh, helps with everything from, you know, housing students on campus to uh, psychological services to athletics. And so um, that co-curricular development piece is, is where I spend most of my time. So what does it mean to develop diversity or foster diversity in that space? And, and why is it important to do so in your opinion? Well, 
Um, as 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 you as you probably know, uh, Howard is is an HBCU, uh, one of our premier historically black uh, institutions, and so a lot of times there's a misconception that diversity is not an important issue for HBCUs, and and that couldn't be far from uh, uh, accurate. Um, we want our students to be prepared uh, for the global um, setting, you know, outside of our campus. And so understanding everything from race to um, ability and disability and, and religion and, and uh, political affiliation and gender and sexuality, all that is um, a daily uh, walk in, 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 uh, in the life of a Howard University student. And so uh, we, we take pride in making sure that we can help uh, expose our students to uh, an array of diversity kinds of issues. Um, because even though we, um, you know, pride ourselves around Black excellence, um, it's important that um, our students know that, that, that the world consists of so many different uh, perspectives and, and ideas and backgrounds and and being able to navigate through all of that is just gonna make them uh, better people all around. It's interesting to get your perspective. We've talked to um, a diversity and equity inclusion director um, at the Dalton School in New York, which is a kindergarten through 12th grade um, educational setting in New York. Um, we've talked to um, a um, individual who works on a campus in New Orleans, and that's a PWI, a, a private white institution primarily. Um, and, and now we're getting the, the the framework looked at from a different from a different lens. And so I guess my question then: so each of those people had a different way in which they looked at diversity and equity and inclusion because they were dealing with a different segment of the population. So. I, I love what you just said about the fact that even though it's an HBCU, it's still an issue that has to be addressed if you want to produce a global student. So from your lens, um, where you sit at an HBCU, what, what is the first place we need to improve from, from where you sit? Well, um, I, I think it's, you know, what the country has thrusted in, in front of us is, is race. It's the need to address race. I think our country's history um, continues to, I guess, perpetuate systemic racism. And to, and to me, that that is our biggest issue. So that being the case, um, what do you think that our, our tangible goal should be to reach a better level in this country when it comes to race? What, what tangible goals around diversity, equity, and inclusion should we have? Ooh, tangible goals is, uh, that's tough because race is so much this um, very deep, um, psychologically rooted um, thing and that we can't even begin to unpack some of the practical things, you know, the gap in education, the gap in wealth, the gap in, you know, housing attainability, all these gaps that are based on our construct that wasn't created by people of color, but we're just forced to make our best with it. And until there is a real understanding of, you know, 
everything from bias to privilege and all these other things that, that, that we haven't learned to talk effectively about, um, honestly, not much is going to change. People have to have an understanding and a willingness. And when I'm talking about people, I mean the people in power and the people in power are not people that look like us. Mm-hmm. And that's across the board. So until there is, you know, a very sincere desire um, to create equity. It's not looking good. I mean, you know, we can make progress. We can make a little progress, but. I think that listening to you speak, then I think that an attainable goal should be that if you are one of these Fortune 500 companies and you're participating and getting certain benefits of what I'm not, I'm an educator, so I'm not part of a Fortune 500 company, but I'm sure there are to be listed on that list of being part of the Fortune 500. You've got to get some type of perks. Um, And and my it's probably my thing that if you're going to be listed there, then one of the things that you have to be able, whatever perk there might be as being part of that group, you probably should need to uh, have to have a, a diversity, equity and inclusion audit. And you have to as a, as a company in, in that Fortune 500, you need to commit yourself to to improving those elements in your or in your company. Um, I think yeah. that's a tangible goal. I think that Fortune 500 companies, whoever they are, these blue chip people who, who, you know, who run this company, I mean, this country, I think that a tangible goal would be to demand, um, and I have no idea how we would get this done, but would be to require that they all have a, a diversity and equity and inclusion audit by a company such as yourself, and then do something with that data, something actionable with that data. I, I, I agree. And I, I love, I love that. Um, and that is, you're right. That's a tangible, that's a tangible goal. Yeah. You need to write to, that to somebody. We need to put that in an email and send that to yeah. some, <laughs> need to tweet it to someplace. Maybe somebody will catch on. We have a lot of teachers and a lot of parents that, that watch our, our videos and um, comment and watch our Facebook page and our Instagram page. And so um, I always try to leave with something for them so that, that they can take back. And, and my final question for you this evening is what can parents do um, so that they can hold their institutions of higher learning, whether they be the high school experience, the elementary experience, or when they're trying to find their child a um a, um, a college home or a teacher who's trying to advocate for their students, um, what can they do to hold these institutions accountable to make sure that these needs of diversity, equity, and inclusion are being addressed? Okay, so I'm going to answer in two parts, okay? Because as you know, you're an educator, you're a principal, um, you know that um, we all have to wrap around our students. There has to be um, a high level of parental involvement, um, constructive parental involvement. Um, teachers and administrators have to sort of wrap around, you know, the students when they're in their space. And then th- that has to connect. And so I think that what occurs in the home has to align with what's happening, um, you know, at school. Right. And so parents being involved in the curriculum, you know, studies show that students will do better Um, in terms of diversity, inclusion and equity. Parents 
should be having conversations with their children about these issues. When parents are, are if, if they're making a choice about high schools and colleges, parents should have a list of their needs, their students' needs, mm-hmm. okay? Some parents will do their own list, and this could be five to seven priorities. And then they have the student do their list, the same thing, and they talk and discuss and either, you know, uh, just add 14 items or they kind of get it down to um, five to seven, okay? Those things should inform where the college choices and, the, and the, your top five list and, and, and even in high school, your top five list, um, they should have that. Because a lot of times you have, to, you have to set your own expectation so that it narrows what you're looking for. Okay, so that's, that, that's, that's one thing that I think has to be done. The other thing is just, in, not just parent, like the parent, uh, what the PTO and the parent organizations for schools, but sitting down with the kid, because I think at this point, all curriculums starting at high school, personally, I think probably even earlier than that, but definitely at high school, there needs to be a diversity component inter, um, uh, what do you call it? interweaved into the curriculum. Mm-hmm. There, there, there needs to be, and there should be some red flags if schools are not doing that. Right. Um, and that's with every subject matter. And so, you know, that's something that parents and families should hold the schools accountable for. And then when we're moving into that higher education um, selection phase, um, that's something that should be important. If you're if you're if you have PWIs on your top five list at, at this point, best practice says that there is a diversity and an inclusion component to um, all the curriculums. If not, that should be a red flag. I, I'm gonna so I'm gonna summarize that and, and what I and add something to it. I think that what but based on what I heard you say, it's it's one determining parents what you feel is important to yourself and to your child, and then following that list to narrow down your choices. And I would add to that and make sure the places you are considering are aware that you have this list. Like you need to be telling them like, this is my, because if enough parents are coming to them repeatedly and saying like, all right, well, here's how we're making our decision. If you want our dollars here, here are the things you're going to have to show me that you can provide to create the best experience for our child. And if they keep hearing that, then it stops being just something, it it begins to hold them accountable and and make them understand this isn't going away. And if we want to address, you know, we want to address it, you know, um, we have to give these people what they want. That that would be number one. And I think that the other thing you touched on was something that I've, I've heard repeatedly as I'm having these conversations. And it's just that um, that you have to to make your voices heard at the school, at, you know, and be, a, and be an active part of the schools in order to be able to hold them accountable. You have to be a part of the PTA. You have to be, um, you know, know what's going on um, so that, you know, you can have those conversations when you see that something's not happening the way that it should. So I think both of those were, you know, great, great suggestions. And I thank you for them. So I, we're going to, I want to thank you so much, uh, Dr. Carter, for your time. Um, I really enjoy hearing your perspective being that you are from a, a historically back uh, university. 
I hope you guys at home enjoyed hearing his um, his perspective. Um, thank you so much. And um, we'll come back with, with no problem with some more of these yeah. diversity conversations because they're so important um, to make sure that we are continuing this conversation outside of just a, and we, act, we actually happen to be filming on Martin Luther King Day. So yeah. you know, like yeah. it, it, this is not just a one day a year topic. This is, this is a 365 topic that we need to continue talking about until we are able to come to tangible resolutions on these issues. Make a list of your needs and make sure your top choice schools meet those needs. And also make sure the schools that you are considering are aware of what your needs are and what you're looking for. Doing this is the first step in holding them accountable to making sure they create diverse spaces. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Paris Carter, for taking the time to speak with us today. And thank you for listening. Can you believe it? We are at the end of season three of Rewoke. It has been an amazing journey and we have had a great time sharing this important information with you. But today we have some other important information to share. As you know, Rewoke is a Just Like Me production. And our goal at Just Like Me Presents is to create culturally relevant content for parents and educators. The response to our books, this show, and our social studies curriculum, Meanwhile in Africa, have been overwhelming, and so we have decided to launch yet another innovative endeavor. In the fall of 2022, Just Like Me Presents will be opening our first culturally responsive child-centered micro-school. Our school will be intentionally small, serving less than 100 students, but the goal is to have a huge culturally significant impact with the model being replicated throughout the city, the state, and ultimately the country. To properly prepare for our new adventure, Rewoke is taking its normal three-week hiatus in between seasons. But when we return, we will switch to a bi-weekly show instead of a weekly show to accommodate our planning efforts for this fall. We can't wait to update you on our progress. Show notes and resources to the things we discussed today are available on our website at www.justlikemepresents.com. Share this podcast with other parents and educators in your circle and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you heard, leave us a review. Reviews help others discover our show and begin their woke journey. Have a great week. And remember, if our children can see it, they can achieve it.